Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! And the story of the weekend of the Mets and, and their loss... Uh, you know, listen, a wild card round, which was very, very good, uh, which we'll spend some time on here today, too. But the story of the weekend were, were the Mets, who had 101 wins, who led in first place all year long in the NL East, except for six days. Did you know that? For the New York Mets in 2022, did you know that they led their division ever, since April 1st or whatever, the April 10th, whatever the date was that the season began a little later this year because of the lockout? But they led every day from April 10th until October 5th, except for six in the sport. Did you realize that? Six. I mean, and five of them were the last five, and, and five of them were the last five days of the season. They got taken. They were taken over there on that Saturday. So, uh, uh, last four days of the season. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they did not lead outright. Outside of those four days, there were only two other days all year long in which the Mets did not lead their division. They had what we all thought, and I led the brigade here as you know a dominant dominant pitching staff with Scherzer and DeGrom and then throw in the three or four other starters and Carrasco, Walker, and Chris Bassett. They had an all-world reliever in Diaz. They had obviously a resourceful enough offense. They won 101 ball games, and all year long they were, you know, the flavor of the month and a real and a real challenger to win the whole thing, who have only won two championships in your 60-year career. 65 years, 1962 they started, so 60 years. And they only won two championships. And what, it, and what happened in the last seven or eight days of the season? Really the last month of the season, because in the last month of the season, they allowed a 10.5 game lead, which they procured on June 1st. They allowed a 10.5 game lead to largely evaporate thanks to sweeps by the Cubs and the Nationals beating them three times and, you know, the Marlins beating them a couple times, the A's beating them once, the Pirates beating them once. I mean, they really, they didn't play badly, but nor did the 51 Dodgers when the Giants went 37 and seven to catch them in the second half of 1951 in that season, and yet they still did. Uh, but what hurt the Mets more than anything else is they allowed that lead, and the Braves were phenomenal, but they allowed that lead to get into a danger zone. And then all of a sudden, the Mets had to walk into Atlanta, and this is despite beating the Braves four out of five in early August at City Field. They walked into Atlanta last weekend with their pitching all lined up, DeGrom and Scherzer and Bassett, only needing one game to control their destiny in the last three of the year against Washington. They proceeded to give up seven home runs and three starts and really got, you know, the scores would not indicate much, but we're never really in any of the three games. 5-2, 5-3, 4-2. Never in the games. I mean, it may have the score may have seen that they were in the games, but they were not in the games. And then after they, you know, beat the Nationals who didn't care uh, about playing spoiler because they knew they had nothing to spoil, they turned around and then they and and the Braves, of course, uh, you know, did what they had to do in Miami. And then they turn around and Buck fools around the pitching rotation. There's no way Scherzer and I said this, not a second guess. No way Scherzer. That's Buck Showalter. No way Scherzer should have started Game One. You start your best pitcher in that first game. The Mets toyed with it, and they wanted that hold DeGrom back just in case they could win in two games and then DeGrom could open up against L.A. in the the divisional series. Well, as it turns out, Scherzer, who is a mercenary, who, you know, goes to the highest bidder, who, you know, has had nine million 
jerseys he's worn in his career and has no cred, none, with a Met fan and got booed off the mound as badly as I've ever seen any New York star get booed off the mound. I have never, and I've been here for 55 years, uh, I can't recall in my lifetime Ed Whitson maybe, and he wasn't a Yankee, I mean, who was any good. This is a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame, and they booed him off the mound unmercifully on Friday. And then DeGrom was pretty good on Saturday. And then Bassett, with the moment way too big, back-to-back starts, chance to salvage the year and salvage the Ameri- the NL East and also maybe make a lot of money in the offseason as a free agent, lays eggs against the Braves last Sunday with a 3-1 lead and then against San Diego in a rubber game last night. Walking guys, eighth hitters getting base hit singles, and the Mets turn around and finish the year losing five of their last six against quality playoff teams where four of six would have either won them the division or got them to the second round against L.A. And as a result, the Mets then top it all off with, uh, you know, uh, a pity party when Buck Showalter, I don't give a crap what the spin rate said. If the spin rate was so bad, go out in the first inning. When Buck Showalter walked out to Alfonso Marquez to dress down Joe Musgrove in the sixth inning when the Mets already trailed 4 nothing. I mean, let's go dress him down to see if he's putting anything on the ball. This is a scenario where he's getting checked every time he walks off the mound to begin with. They umpires did their due diligence and it's a tricky spot for them. They did check. Nothing was found. All that does is fire up the Padres more. Musgrove throws a seven-inning one-hitter and the Mets, you know, basically went out of the building with their tail between their legs. And then Buck has to try to answer the questions and he's a good guy. Tries to answer the questions in a postgame. I got to do what's right for my organization. But what he did is he made the organization look like a circus. Rinky-dink. The Mets always complain that they get labeled as a rinky-dink organization. So what do the Mets do on the way out the door in 2022? They act rinky-dink. We can't hit them, so do us a favor. Throw them out of the game. They only got one hit. I mean, that's how bad it was for the Mets this weekend. Scherzer, again, who is a mercenary. He, he, he'd go play for a team in, on, in Korea if he had to. If they gave him more money. This is a guy making $43 million a year. And now you got DeGrom, who all year long has told us he's going to opt out. DeGrom, first off, he never pitches. And then he then he got bombed with homers last Friday in Atlanta to set the, set the mood down. And then Saturday, he pitched pretty good. But it wasn't Sandy Koufax, <clears throat> Gary Cohen. Your comparisons to Sandy Koufax with DeGrom way over the top the last four or five years. He went six innings, 99 pitches, and took himself out of the game, which put Buck in a Joe Madden scenario with Chapman in the 2016 World Series against Cleveland. Desperate to win, Chapman was out there with 9-1 leads. That's what Buck did in an elimination game on Saturday with Diaz when he had a pitch in the seventh and the eighth inning. And the Mets can sit there and they can sit and they can claim and Phillips will be on tomorrow and he'll try to make, you know, he'll try to make nice. Maybe Steve still wants a job in the front office somewhere. doesn't want to antagonize anybody. But, I mean, they'll try to sit there and tell us, ah, you know what, uh, one bad weekend or two bad weekends don't ruin a season. We won 101 ball games. Rousseau, shut up. Nonsense. Nonsense. In 2000, San Francisco won about 100 ball games. Kent was the MVP. Bonds hit 49 home runs. The Giants killed everybody. 
What did they? And they won the first game against the Mets in the NLDS that year. They turned around and got a three-run homer in the ninth inning by J.T. Snow or Benitez on a night game in San Fran that went off the roof there at AT&T. They end up losing the game. Bond strikes out looking to end it with John Franco. They come in a city a shea. They lose an extra inning game with Benny Agbayani, if you remember correctly, in that home run. And then the next day they get one hit by Bobby Jones. Do you think anybody said to me when I was walking out of Shea that day with my tail between my legs, with my eyes down, hey, Chris, you know what hell of a year? Uh, uh. And nor did they say it the next winter or the following spring, whenever. You blow a scenario like the Mets did, there's no such thing. You know what? A tough series, but you had a big year. Nonsense. Nonsense. You don't have big years when you flame out with a week to go in the season and then flame out in a wild card round. There's no such thing. Win 90 games like San Diego and play in a divisional series. Then you've had a big year. And I don't care about St. Louis. Uh, who cares about them? Or Toronto, two other home teams that lost this weekend. I care about the Mets, who should never have been in this situation to begin with playing in a wild card round against a dangerous opponent in San Diego that's got big players. Machado's a big player. Darvish can be a big pitcher. Soto can be a big player. They got a good defensive center fielder. Myers knows what he's doing. The manager's good. And the Mets turn around and lay an egg and then Buck in the sixth inning with the team getting smoked decides that he's going to have Alfonso Marquez go to the mound and basically take, make Musgrove take his clothes off to see if there's ointments in the wrong places. I mean, you got to be kidding me. This is how we're going to, this is the look we're going to throw at you here. This is the look. And I don't care what the spin rate says. And by the way, the ESPN broadcast, can we stop at the analytics? I mean, I don't care about every line drive that's 109 miles an hour off the bat. Enough with the analytics. Let us watch the ball game. I know when the ball is hit hard. I don't need you to have me give me the speed or the exit velocity. I don't need it. Well, what the revolution is with the spin rate. Oh, my God. Do you think Walter Johnson cared about a spin rate? How about Ruth? Demacio. I mean, come on. Mickey Mantle. Maze. Enough of the nonsense with the spin. Let me watch the ball game. Oh, my goodness. And as a result, it ruins baseball. Because you are not going to find anybody. And I live here, I can tell you that. you find anybody who's going to stay up to 11 o'clock at night east of the Mississippi watching Padres Dodgers. The Dodgers own San Diego. They beat them 14 of 19 this year. They beat them badly two years ago in a divisional round, three games to love. Nobody in America is going to get that wrapped up about that little corner of the world in Southern California. This is a, uh, baseball got killed with the Mets losing. They never admit it, but I'll tell you, it, they got killed. You tell me, you're going to stay up, you're a sports fan, you're a baseball fan. You're going to stay up to a midnight, you know, watching two innings of Dodgers, Padres, 7-0 in L.A. Uh, on Tuesday or Thursday or Wednesday nights? No, you're not. No, you're not. 
So I could start the day with Oliver Mormel, who's not John McGraw. We'll get to him later, the Cardinal skipper. I can start the day with John Schreiber, who didn't exactly roll him, knock him dead, with that exhibition of managing on Saturday up in Toronto against Seattle. Or I can start the day with a game that went 15 innings in five hours, and I saw all of five hits, 94 bats, and 40-something strikeouts between Tampa and Cleveland on Saturday afternoon. I could do that. And by the way, you know, not just, and I love Buck. I hate to do it. I love Buck. I've known him since 1991. Nobody knows Buck. I mean, I know Buck as well as anybody. I've known him for 40 years, 35 years. But he wasn't exactly Miller Huggins either over the weekend. DeGrom should have started game one. You learned in this postseason in the wild card round that you cannot lose that first game. St. Louis lost the first game. Toronto lost the first game. You cannot lose that first game. Tampa lost the first game. You lose that first game in this damn thing, there's too much pressure to win two in a row. You can't do it. And he screwed around with Scherzer, who's not nearly as good as DeGrom, and that hurt him, number one. And then even yesterday, what is Buck doing in the eighth inning when he starts inning with Michael Givens? What? The game, I understand it's 4 nothing. You're not going to win anyway. But well, yeah, start the inning with Diaz. My God, Michael Givens, top of the eighth. First two guys get on. They bun him over. And then Soto hits a little ground ball by third. 6 nothing. San Diego, good night. Go drink and smoke more in the upper deck. Ask Eddie Erickson about that story. Oh, my God. Not an actual clinic by Buckster. And you can sit there, and if you want me to play Adam Schein and break down Aaron Rodgers, I can do it. Pat McAfee, and let's go break down the college football, I can do it. No, thank you. Or Steve Torrey, and pretend he has some interest in Ravens and Bengals when all he's been thinking about for three days is watching baseball and looking at the Yankee lineup and Chapman not on it or in the roster. Oh, no, thank you. Because the story in sports, the second week in October, was the collapse of the 2021 New York Mets. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.